Welcome to The Honest Pour with John Lennart, where we go beyond the bottle to connect you with the people and places that make each wine so unique. Castello Fantarutoli lies just south of Castellina and Chianti and is owned by the Mazzei family. This family has a rich history and is directly connected to Chianti Classico itself. In fact, Sir Lupo Mazzei was the first person ever to refer to wines from Chianti in a letter he wrote in the early 1400s. The family's connection to the place holds strong today. I met with Francesco Mazzei, Fontarutoli's CEO, who along with his brother Filippo, runs wineries across Italy. But when you speak with Francesco, it's easy to tell that Chianti Classico is home. I met with Francesco at Fontarutoli to talk about his family's history, the difference between Chianti and Chianti Classico, what makes wines from Castellina and Chianti unique, and of course the taste, some delicious wines. One note, when recording on location, I don't always get the best sounding rooms to record in. While beautiful, the room I recorded this episode in had quite a bit of echo, so please forgive the sound quality of this episode. I processed it out and it sounds a lot better, but there's a bit of echo. Trust me though, you want to listen to the whole thing because Francesco is an amazing interview. This special episode of The Honest Pour is brought to you in part by the Consorzio Vino Chianti Classico and by Foodator.com, bringing you the stories of Chicago chefs, restaurants, and people who make food all over town. Foodator.com. Hi, welcome to The Honest Pour. I'm John Leonard, and we're here in Chianti Classico. Joining me today is Francesco Massey of Marchese Massey, owners of Fantarutoli here in Chianti Classico. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure. Tell us about Fantarutoli. It, it's, it's got kind of a rich history. Tell me about yes. your family's involvement. Well, well, well Fantarutoli is something very unique I'm very proud of. It belongs to my family since 1435, and we have been born now the 25th generation. So it's kind of a record. Uh, as well as a responsibility, uh, but uh, yeah, you're right, there's a huge amount of history here, uh, which you can see even going around, we live in a small hamlet with, uh, which is medieval, with a Roman road going across uh, 2,000 years old, uh, so there's a lot, you can smell the story here, the history, sorry. And Having said that, my family has been in the wine industry even before uh, inheriting uh, Fonterutoli, because the grandfather of the lady that um, married uh, the landlord of Fonterutoli, and that's how the property went, came to, to my family. Uh, the grandfather, Lapo Mazzei, is known to have written the first official document mentioning Chianti, and that was September 16, 1398. So it's considered, in a way, the father of the, of the um, Chianti. Chianti. Uh, and he was, a, he was a notary, and that was a purchasing contract of a few barrels of wine. But at that time, people didn't... I mean, they used to call the wine with a the, with the great variety uh, or just red and white. And this guy wrote for the first time, we buy six barrels of Chianti wine, 1398. Incredible. Then there is uh, there's two main persons in our, in our uh, family history. And the other one is uh, Filippo Mazzei. Filippo Mazzei, what's more... Uh, it's closer to the Americans because sure. he's, he's one of the fathers of the, of, the, uh, of the United States of America. He, he fought for independency 
uh, for the independence. And uh, it was very close to Thomas Jefferson, as well as Adams, Washington, Franklin. And uh, he's the author of the cornerstone of the Declaration of Independence, which is all men are created equal. And also convinced uh, Jefferson to plant vines at Monticello. Absolutely. That, that was the reason to go to Virginia at that time. The idea, uh, or the ideal, to grow vines in the new colonies, you know, assuming that the, the latitude was very much similar to the main wine region of Europe, regions of Europe. And uh, it, it, it was a challenge because uh, climate in Virginia wasn't the same, and, and at that time the uh, expertise were not the same of nowadays. So they had they had a little bit of uh, of uh, issues, but in that way it got very very close to Jefferson, which was not only wine passionate, but it was one of the most. Uh, best people with more knowledge about wines of the world. You know, he was a collector, he was uh, very, very skilled about wine. I'm interested in how you got involved in the wine world. Obviously, you're, you've been born into it, generations and generations in the world of wine. But oftentimes, I find that, you know, families get the children and the children, they don't want to be involved with the wine business anymore. What What is it about the wine world that called you to stay in it? Well, first of all, let me tell you an anecdote. Um, we, My brother, Filippo, and me run the company here. And this, we're um, a year far each other, so he's, he's one year older than me. And so we grew up together. And uh, the first time we got, we got drunk together, he was seven, I was six. Oh my. And, yeah. <laughs> Discovering barrels uh, around the, the property. And we got lost because we fell <clears throat> asleep. And uh, so the family were so worried they couldn't find us. And we were up in a, uh, under the roof where the Vincento uh, barrels are. And of course, we had opened a, one of the barrels, and the Vincento went away all of it. So it was a mess. And, uh, we got punished by my father, which was very rich. Having said that, actually, I, after university, I, I, did, I decided to go my way uh, to uh, pursue my uh, own career, and I worked for uh, over 10 years for big companies. Mass market first, uh, Barilla, pasta, mm -hmm. and then uh, Piaggio, Vespa, the scooters. Uh, and finally, uh, we, we agreed with my brother that there was a treasure here we, uh, which could be developed. Because my father has run the property and the business uh, from ever, but he, he, his main job was another. So this was much smaller, much more underdeveloped than, than now. And so in... Filippo in 1989, myself in 1994, we decided to uh, work full time for the company to develop it. And that's how I'm here. Interesting. You changed the company a lot when you came on board. You went from making your wine, your local wines here in, in the hamlet to this incredibly spectacular modern winemaking facility. Tell me about that transformation. You know, when you have goals, 
you need the tools also. And, uh, and um, we thought there was a great potential. We saw uh, a very good perception and reaction by the market. So we have enlarged the property, purchasing uh, surrounding properties in the Chianti Glasgow as well as outside of it, but that's another story. And uh, so the property has gone from 27, I say 18 hectares, because it's always difficult to translate, but then from 27 hectares to 117. 117. Yeah, in 25, 30 years. What about property? 30, yeah, 30 years. Uh, not even, 25, 25 years. And then having acquired all these and replanted all these vineyards with different uh, approaches and uh, with more, uh, more focus to, to the quality and to the clonal selection and to, you know, and to try to make a, a stylish uh, wine, we face the problem of yeah, but where? <laughs> because uh, before before the new the new facility, the new winery, uh, we used to uh, split uh, all the process into several different locations, uh, which was a, a, a nightmare. So finally, in between 2003 and 2007, we have built this new winery, which has been designed by my sister Agnese. That is a pretty good architect, although she's a little bit expensive. But uh, <laughs> but the good thing is we don't pay. We keep not paying her. So, right. you know, it's she, family, yeah. She argues about that. She complains about that, but uh, uh, she's a family member. No, having said, having said that, the, the good thing is that there was this big project, uh, which is the architectural part is just the... Uh, the way to dress the process, but there was a, there was an idea very clear how to make this, and the good thing to that my sister did it uh, is that she understands the winemaking process. Sure. You go to a great uh, an archistar, and they don't want to discuss about this. I mean, they have such an ego that uh, right. that uh, this is the project, and then and then nothing works. So. We uh, developed this, this new facility, about 100 uh, square feet, 100,000, sorry. 100 yeah. is a little, yeah. would be po pocket yeah. winery. Yeah. Pocket winery. <laughs> uh, on, on three levels, you use gravity, um, very low environmental impact, it's basically underground, very, very kind of invisible from the surroundings and um, that's it. Uh, it. It has been a, an incredible, an incredible improvement. We're here on this trip, and we're just exploring Chianti Classico on this trip. And I'm visiting wineries in each of the different regions of, of Chianti Classico. Tell me what Chianti Classico from Castellina is about. Well, I think uh, Chianti Classico from Castellina, first of all, has a range of, because you go from the, down the valley, where we still we, we, we do have uh, vineyards at 200 250 meters where the, there's a bit more clay and 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 f I can I cannot say fertile but a little more depth in the soil up to the altitudes like where Fonterutoli itself is which is 500 meters which is just rocks but 
most of Castellina is up on the hills, uh, on top of the hills, which is very rocky. Up here, you get an incredible elegance and freshness in the wine, which is, which is our, uh, our vision of the wine. Elegance, finesse, freshness, complexity, and ability to age. And in the varying degree of altitudes that your vineyard sites are at, it appears that you have a great, a, a broad palette yep. on how to make that wine, yep. how to achieve that. Yeah, in a, in a, in a, in a small scale, Fonterruto is what the Chianti overall is. We go from 250 to 550 meters. So we have a range of altitudes with very different soils and of course, very different microclimates, okay? Top altitudes, you get the freshness, the elegance, the acidity. And when you go lower, normally you get uh, richer soils and you get the power. Obviously, most And the spices and, well, so our wines are generally a combination of all. Obviously, you're growing Sangiovese, but you're also invested in some other varieties yep. as well. What are those? So, let, let me say, Sangiovese is our uh, focus, and, and uh, 80% of our vineyards are planted with Sangiovese. And I have to underline, and when I say Sangiovese, I didn't mean one Sangiovese. We run 36 different Sangioveses, 18 clones and 18 muscle selections. These muscle selections are proprietary, uh, so are coming from our old vines and are crucial to make our wines unique because they're coming from old vines that have uh, survived, let me use this term, uh, at these altitudes and have adapted to a very, very uh, difficult environment. On top of that, we have kept some other indigenous varieties such as Malvasianera for the aromas, Colorina for the color, and we have introduced um, in the 70s and 80s a little bit of Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot, which we never use on their own, but we always blend with the Sangiovese. So Sangiovese keeps the king of Fonterutoli. It's Chianti Classico, yeah. There's a perception in the American market, or a perception that Chianti Classico is working to overcome and achieving in the American market, particularly. People think Chianti and they think the cheap red fiasco bottle. This is more serious winemaking than that. And Chianti sort of has always had historically this fight for proof of the quality of the wines. Tell me what you're doing to make sure that these wines speak to what they are so they can be how they can be and really show consumers well, how well, great they are. Well, well, first of all, let me say, unfortunately, there's, there's, a, there's a, uh, a bit of, a, of confusion between Chianti Classico and Chianti. Sure. Chianti Classico is the original, it's coming from the Chianti region, and uh, is the, the, the one that has been made uh, officially since 1716 with the, with, when the appellation was uh, issued by, by the Grand Duke of Tuscany. Um, Chianti is something that has been added uh, more recently uh, in the, at the beginning of the 1900s as a typology of wine uh, in the surrounding areas. So don't confuse Chianti Classico and Chianti because they have not, nothing to do uh, between them. 
And the Chian that's the reason why the Chianti Classico carries this black rooster, which is the symbol uh, of the origin and makes the difference with the uh, simple Chianti. Having said that, uh, I think the Chianti has um, seen, the Chianti Classico has seen a tremendous improvement of the quality in the last 30, 40 years. And I'm proud of it because part of this is due to my father that has been the president of the consortium for 20 years, uh, till the 90s. And, uh, and he had a very clear vision that this is an area where you cannot produce big yields. You have to stay very low because, as I said, there's no fertility. So if you want to get something interesting with an identity, a character, you have to stay very, very low. That's why we say that this is a sort of a heroic viticulture, because we're talking of, uh, like in our case, we're talking of 35, 40 hectoliters an hectare, which is what, 15, 15 hectoliters uh, uh, an acre, nothing. But that, that is what, this, together with um, mm, uh, studying, research on clones, uh, on how to plant, how to grow the vines, this has taken the Chianti Classico to far away from where it was. And I might seem a little pretentious, but I say that nowadays there's quite a few Chianti Classico that can um, easily compete with the Brunellas. Mm. Well, thing. Yeah. And at a fraction of the price of Brunellos and far more accessible than Brunellos. And exactly. It, Chianti Classico offers an amazing value for such a high quality of wine. It really does. Should we taste some wine? Of course. Let's let's start with the with our blockbuster. Let me say the Fonterutoli Chianti Classico, which is our core wine. Um, well, the, the goal is to show a clear identity in a very consistent way. This wine has to be very, very reliable, vintage by vintage. And it's basically Sangiovese coming from different, a lot of different parcels sure. uh, at, the, at the state. Um, with uh, uh, what I like in this wine is the has a pretty good structure uh, with a beautiful nose and very good complexity. To me, the, the nose is a lot of floral notes. Yep, floral. And some good earthy notes, yep. some mushroom kind of yeah, fresh which is herbs. Typical of the Sangiovese. Yeah. Yep. And uh, some red berries, probably. Nice, nice complexity. Some. Red, Red berries. berries? Yeah, cranberry. Yep. Um, on the palate, those berries come through more than the nose. To me, the the nose was a little earthier, herbier. But on the palate, that that Bing cherry, it's got a, a nice medium body to yep. it. It's yep. very fresh acidity. A yep. um, little milk chocolate, maybe, some mint mm -hmm. in there. And, and the good thing... Oh, is it, the good thing of this wine is that this is something that not many people know that has the ability to age. Even mm -hmm. if it's the regular vintage, 
This is the 2016, which yeah. is sort of the end of the current vintage, yeah, right? Yeah, the yeah, 17s are yeah, really yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a wine that can, especially a vintage like this, can go ahead easily 15 years. And you could buy this bottle in the U.S. probably 25 bucks. 27, 27, 28. Okay, 27, 28, which again, this represents an outstanding value in absolutely, wine. Absolutely, absolutely. What's the next one? Next is Sir this is um, entitled or a tribute to our ancestor, uh, ancestor Serlapo I mentioned before. And it's a reserva. Stylistically, um, quite different because this comes basically from one of the five areas we have at the state, which is medium uh, altitude, about 300 to 350 meters. Not too many clones, uh, three clones of Sangiovese. This is about 10% of Malo. And here you get the more classic style, in the sense that it's a bit more hearty, but a bit hearthier, more uh, spicy, mm -hmm. um, a bit more rustic, let me say. Not in a negative way, yeah? no, you know, in a more, positive way, yeah. which is uh, uh, pretty typical of, of, of a Chianti Classico. Huh? Again, that mushroom comes through yeah. forest floor. Yeah. In the nose, a little like black olive, huh? Merlot brings a little more richness to the party. The tannins are grippier for sure. Now this is 2016 as well. As well, yeah. A bit more. There's more complexity. Fuller. There's yeah. a, a fuller, richer body. Yeah. So just more of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Of the uh, the, the Capri Classico. Yeah. And then what's next? Well, next is our flagship wine. Is the what the French would call the Chateau. Actually, it's called the Castello Fonterutoli. Castello is castle, chateau. But there's really no castle in Fonterutoli, right? Just a little tiny hill, but there's no there's castle. A, there's a villa, but the, um, but there was a castle. It was a, it, it was a, um, a fortified uh, village uh, till the end of the 1400s. And then uh, the, the fortress has, has been um, replaced by, it was a, a vanguard fortress for the Florentine army uh, versus Siena, which is south. Right. And, and then the fortress has been replaced by the villa because it became, when Florence took Siena, there was no more reason to have a fortress. In the defining of the Classical zone, the writer from Florence yep. said to have reached Fatarutoli, exactly. where literally was in sight of Siena. You still can see Siena from here, so it was a big frustration. So another historic importance yeah. Yeah, 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 of this, yeah, 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 this, yeah, yeah, this yeah. place. Absolutely. So this wine. The Castello, so this is our top Chianti Classico, the Gran Selezione, which is the uh, top uh, category of uh, is, top is, tier. Is, is that sort see. of what Gran Selezione, because Gran Selezione is still fairly a new concept. Yeah, it's new because it has been uh, introduced uh, recently, but the concept with the Gran Selezione is to, first of all, you can make a Gran Selezione only if you own the vineyard, so you need to uh, follow the whole process from the vine to the bottle. Okay, if you are a negotiant, you cannot make it. Right, right. Okay, first, this is to guarantee that what is in the bottle comes from speaks to the place. Yeah, of the place. Second, um, there's of course some requirements in terms of power extract. Uh, alcohol acidity higher. Sure. And then you're required to release the wine July 1st of uh, 
Third, we're going to release now the, the, in July the 2016. Okay. Which is 2019, we release July 1st, 2019, we release the 2016 vintage. The, um, this wine uh, shows, is the picture of the state because it gets the best parcels of uh, the state. Uh, in this new winery, we are allowed to, it was built to be able to vinify every single parcel by itself. So every vintage, uh, we, uh, have, we vinify uh, a number of wines, uh, same as well as the number of the parcels, sure. okay? 120 parcels, 120 different wines. Then we start with the blending uh, process, and the Castello gets all the best Sangiovese. Well, Again, a little bit of uh, Malvasianira and Colorino. Yeah. More Just power here. Gorgeous complexity. Yep. It's elegant. It's there's, there's a subtle prettiness to it. It's not flamboyant and out there. It's withholding something. Everyone's calling to you on the palate. There's a ton of finesse to this wine. It's beautifully balanced. Um, great acidity. Flavors of cherry and cocoa. It's got this long finish with these really fine silky tannins. And this wine, it's drinking beautifully now, but I could see in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, yeah. this being something that you could prop open. I'm not worried. It will retain freshness and, well, stunning wine. Stunning wine. And we have one more wine too. This is a little. I, I will last less than this wine, unfortunately. I think. Right. I have probably discussions with yeah. my friends. <laughs> when do we stop buying wine that's going to outlive us? Exactly. <laughs> well, for the for the next generation. <laughs> right. 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 So uh, last, uh, this is not under the Chianti Classico appellation, but I'm very pleased to show it to you because. Well, first of all, it comes from my my soul, my soul and Filippo's soul, because this was our uh, dream. Uh, we decided to plant a little bit of Merlot in 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 our best vineyard uh, in the early '80s, and um, and then we decided to make uh, this blend, the Siepi, which is a blend of Sangiovese Melo 50-50, which soon became the top wine of our range. Super well received by the press, the trade, and the consumer. It's a, it's a I can say it's a, a, an iconic wine. And, and the reason why I believe is that uh, Sangiovese Melo are um, both beautiful, beautiful uh, varieties, but they are also very complementary each other. Uh, the Merlot is the opposite of the Sangiovese, sure. and that's Sangiovese how fulfill, they fulfill each other. Yeah. The Merlot can be round and rich, exactly. and balances exactly. the whole thing exactly. out. Exactly. And that was a little bit the, the, the goal, huh? to um, blend these two grape varieties to make um, a special wine. I have to say also that the Malo uh, in our um, place shows very Chianti-side, can I say that? Uh, it doesn't get that bold. It doesn't get that, right, that rich, alcoholic like right. in other places. 
it, it, it keeps um, a style, a profile with a certain acidity. It's definitely bigger than the Sangiovese. Well, it's no. definitely bringing a richer fruit. Yeah. Wow, again, a lot of flowers, a lot of purple flower here. Um, the darker cherries, some black licorice notes. And boy, on the palate, you can feel the richness of the Merlot. Well, Francesco, thank you so much for your time. Your wines are delicious. I appreciate hearing the history of the place. I recommend to my listeners that when you get a chance to come out to Chianti Classico, take the drive almost all the way down this Siena and uh, come visit you. Yeah. And Fonterutoli is easy to reach because it's uh, right on the Cantigiana Road, 222. So easy. Just drive south and you get it. Thanks for your time. Thank you, John. For John's tasting notes on the wines from this episode, go to www.thehonestpoorpod.com. Make sure you catch every episode by subscribing to The Honest Pour with John Lennart at iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Play Store. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook at The Honest Pour with John Lennart and follow us on Twitter at The Honest Pour. This has been The Honest Pour with John Lennart. Music by Kevin McLeod. Thank you.